0: I greet you in the most wonderful name of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are we excited to be alive? That's more like it. That is more like it. Uh, I'm personally very excited to be here. And uh, once again, thank you very much for the invitation. I just would like to take this time to honor Umfundis, Nomamfundis, and all the leadership of uh, the church and everyone who is in the house. It really is an honor for me to be here. Um, is teaching me very gradually, uh, not only to trust him, but to be sure about whatever encounter that he gives me. I was with one of my pastors earlier on this morning as I was preparing for our service at um, Centurion. And the word that I received was the fact that God is going to surprise me today. And I have received my surprise. Before I continue with my mental health talk, I just would like to encourage each and every person who is in this place. When God shows up, Grab hold of it. Don't doubt and run with it. For me, I have encountered that what I am doing here is a formality because tuniwe. But in terms of specifically what I came here for, I thank God Gti, Ngibonile, and I don't quite have an idea as to what exactly unkulunkulu is aligning me towards. But, angi kwazi yo, is that in this place I have encountered God. Amen. It is the prayer of my heart, Uti, Don't find yourself coming to this place as a formality. Don't find yourself coming to this place as part of an association. Don't come, find yourself coming to this place because you are trying to sort certain things out in your life. May you not miss God who prepares himself and ensures that he shows up before you do in the mighty name of Jesus while we are in the second leg of our mental health talk and I am very much mindful of your time so I am going to use my radio voice and I am going to be as swift as we possibly can. Three things we are going to address today. Number one habits and addictions. Number two thoughts and emotion and number three emotion regulation cycle. This is what we are going to cover as we are looking into the well being of our minds. Remembering this one thing that is a free Every- Thing that is in existence is the result of the processes that are going on in your mind and that is how important your mental health therefore is because without your mental health everything else that you do is not going to be healthy listen, I know there are people who are not quite cognizant of the importance of their mental health and in as much as you find yourself running, living if you are not connected with the value of your mind. You will do those things at, at some point. At some point, you are not going to be able to pretend anymore. At some point, you are going to find yourself not being aligned with, with who you are supposed to be because now you just wake up and you just roll, you are not aligning your life with your mind. So today, we are covering habits and addictions, thoughts and emotions, and the emotion regulation cycle. And when we look at habits, And subsequently, addictions. We are looking at the things that you do repeatedly. And the unfortunate thing is that most of the time when we look at habits and addictions, we tend to look at things that are negative in our lives. And this follows the principle that anything that you do repeatedly, you become good at it. And we repeat things so many times. We repeat things, even the things that are negative, forgetting to realize, the fact that you repeat it, it's not about uguti. it's good or bad. The fact that you repeat it and you do it regularly, you are going to be good at that. If you are a gossiper and you gossip regularly and you gossip repeatedly, you are going to be a professor in what? In gossip. you are lazy and you express your laziness repeatedly you are going to be a guru in what in laziness because by principle anything that you do repeatedly you become an expert in it so now when we move into addictions then we are looking at things that you do repeatedly but that you subsequently become dependent on You don't just do it repeatedly, but you find yourself not being able to live without that thing. And when you find yourself not being able to live without it, we call that what? Dependence. You are sitting on your study desk, you are supposed to study, the timetable is here, the coloring pens are here, the syllabus is here, everything is here. And you find yourself going to TikTok for another two hours. Why? Because you are now, you are not just doing that repeatedly, but you have come to the point of actually being dependent on that activity. You come to church and you submit yourself to God, you ask the Lord to help you in certain areas. And when you leave this place, you are sure about the touch of the Lord. You go back home, you go back to the same behaviors, to the same company, to the same things that were bothering you. Why? Because you are now dependent on those things. So when we look beyond habits into addictions, we also realize that addictions means a term that we call tolerance. And tolerance says... Today, you are happy with half a glass of wine. Next week, because you have been taking it over and over again, you feel half a glass is not enough. You fill it up to three quarters. And then the next month or the next three months, the three quarters does not work. You fill it up to a full glass. And then the next month, what is happening? Next December, you are finishing two Bottles, you know, and what is that saying? Your body works in such a way that whenever it receives something, especially something that causes addiction, it, whenever it receives something that causes addiction, it will get so used to it to the point that the same amount is not going to give you the same effect. So, what therefore happens? Your body is going to demand a higher amount for the same kind of effect. You take a sleeping pill today, right? And you are happy with half a pill. But after a couple of months, you realize that you take the same dosage, but it is not working for you anymore. So what do you do? You double the dosage, and that term is called tolerance. So whenever we find ourselves dealing with habits and addictions that are not good for our mind and subsequently not good for our lives, we need to realize that there is issue not just of repeated use, but there is issue of dependence and there is issue of tolerance as well. So whenever we find ourselves doing things repeatedly, There is a reason for that. The unfortunate thing is that sometimes you are in touch with the reason for your behavior. Sometimes you are not in touch with the reason for your behavior. To the point that when we ask you why are you doing this particular thing, you find a person saying, I don't know. Why? Because there is a particular benefit, but it is because they are not in touch with the benefit at that particular time. Let me tell you a reality that you need to take and run with the rest of your life. Anything that you do repeatedly, you do because there is a benefit. You may not be able to tell us that there is a benefit. For that matter, you may not even realize that you are benefiting from it. But the fact that you keep doing it, it is because there is a benefit. And therefore, it becomes very important that as we strengthen our minds, as we grow in the area of our minds, we also get to study the things that drive us. Because there's something that is driving you into that behavior. There is something that is driving you into that repeated point of action. So we really need to understand that in spite of the fact that we may not be in touch with the reasons why we do the things that we do, understand the fact that there is a benefit. And this is where we find ourselves going then into the area of denial. Because you see, issues of habits and addiction specifically, they cause us to be prone to denial and, 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 and they cause us to be prone to lying as well. People who are addicted to things lie. And they don't lie because they intend to lie. But they lie because they are trying to entertain denial at the back of everything that is happening. So as we speak about habits and addictions, I will—I would like to uh, uh, make a highlight to alcohol specifically. Alcohol, in terms of the drinks that we drink, and alcohol also in terms of the medications that we take. One of the things that we are realizing, one of the over and uh, uh, the counter products that is very, very popular, especially among the young people, is a cough mixture we call alcofilix. Yes, yeah. And the reason why Alcophylex is so popular is the fact that you may not know that Alcophylex actually contains 18% alcohol. So there are two very strong medications in Alcophylex. So when we look at Alcophylex, it has three substances, right? It has a bronchodilator, something that opens your chest up. And that's why we'll often give it to people with a tight chest and asthmatics, etc. So that is the core reason why it exists. But over and above that, there is a product that we call diphenhydramine. It relaxes. You know those things that you take Mfundis and you feel that life is right? What else do you like L-Gratey, I know you take L-Gratey, and you know, you know, like Guami, Agabuzi, you know, shedding shedding, you're not shedding, you're gross. You know, that type of thing that makes you feel that there in. It's really right. right. Diphenhydramine will do that to you. And over and above that, there is alcohol. So you find, Uguti, there are many sources of alcohol. And the reason why I am highlighting alcohol on the pulpit is because I know that we are exposed to alcohol. Okay, we may, we may not go to the point of Uktuali Savane but we are exposed, right? And in fact, the reason also why, I speak specifically about alcohol is that in the studies of alcoholism, we actually have realized that most people are exposed to alcohol at a toddler and at a childhood stage. So by the time you get alcohol, a patini or a clappini or wherever, it is because you have been exposed since a very young age. Because what do we do in our families? We gather, and what do we do as our toddlers? (laughs) That is what happens. And it becomes really problematic because then you find we cause our children to be prone to alcoholism a lot earlier than we would like to realize. Some of us... We come home, to mama, and whatever, they will have supper, they will have a glass of wine, and they will doze off before the TV. When year old, Exactly. So what do they do? They also drink. So by the time they get to the teenage already there are receptors in their brain. As far as alcohol is concerned, they are already disturbed. Now, why is alcohol such a problem, specifically in our society? Basalara, in South Africa, across the world, we are the second country, statistically, in terms of their levels of drinking. Out of the seven billion of us, South Africa is the second country. The makers and the people who make money out of alcohol, the guarantee that they have is that when it comes to South Africa, they are able to make their money. That is how much we drink. And also, the reason why I am highlighting this is that alcohol does not only become dangerous to us in this current state, but alcohol tends to negatively affect the conception stage, not only of a human life, but of everything that a human life does. This is what the Bible says, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. Before uh, you were born, what happened? Before I formed you, I knew you and I set you apart, right? So there are a couple of things that are happening here. In fact, can we just go to Jeremiah 1.5 very quickly so that we just highlight these words. I am speaking about conception and and I'm linking the dangers of alcohol to conception. Are we together, saints? Amen. 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 Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. We're just going to do a bit of neurolinguistic linguistic programming here, highlighting the importance and the magic of words. Listen to this. Before I formed you, right? Highlight that formation. Before I formed you in the womb, I did what? I knew you, right? And then before you were born, what did I do? I set you apart and I did what? And I appointed you. So there is formation, there is knowing, there is setting apart, and there is appointment, Right? And when we look at alcohol, alcohol tends to negatively affect, negatively affect the formation process. Remember, God has already known, which means he goes ahead of you. There are things that are predestined about you. But then when it comes to the environment that God uses to establish this formation process, we find that alcohol becomes one of the things that disturb that process. Conception. I'm not just talking about conception in terms of what happens in your womb. I'm talking about conception in terms of your divine ideas. I'm talking about conception in terms of your studies. I'm talking about conception in terms of the foundations of your relationships. Anything where there is conception at hand, we find that that process of conception is disturbed by alcohol in spite of the fact that you are known, in spite of the fact that you are set apart, in spite of the fact that you are Appointed, so we really need to be very careful because the process of conception it speaks about the magic of things happening before anyone is aware because that is what conception is about. In the field of medicine, we realize, sometimes if a person, for instance, have has a, has a miscarriage, most of the time they are not even aware of the fact that they are pro, they are pregnant at that time, and that is the magic of conception. So conception is a very and divine process and we find that conception whether it is conception of a human being whether it is Conception of a destiny of a human being tends to be negatively affected by alcohol Alcohol physiologically and chemically is supposed to be a substance that causes you to relax Right So when it comes to your mind, when it comes to your brain, it causes you to relax. But then the negative aspects thereof is that when it causes you to relax, sometimes you forget your inhibitions. That's why people who drink alcohol are so happy. They forget their inhibitions. They forget the things that are supposed to restrain them because of the relaxing effect of alcohol. But unfortunately, as it causes you to be relaxed, it also lowers your response time. And that is why alcohol is closely linked to motor vehicle accidents. Because you are not as sharp as you are under the influence of alcohol. So you are not as sharp in terms of your decision making. You are not as sharp in terms of your reasoning. You are not as sharp in terms of your physical action when alcohol is in your system. And therefore, if you are not as sharp, you are not in control. So when we look at alcohol, alcohol basically is the enemy to your whole body. When you are uh, being controlled by alcohol, when you are addicted, when you are habitually taking alcohol, number one, alcohol is an enemy to your brain. I'm going to go that into that very quickly. Alcohol is an enemy to your brain. Alcohol is an enemy to your liver. Alcohol is an enemy to your lungs. Alcohol is your enemy too is the enemy to your hormones alcohol is the enemy to your general immune system so under the regular use of alcohol your body cannot defend itself under the regular use of alcohol your hormones cannot do the duty that they are supposed to do under the regular use of alcohol your lungs are not able to give you the oxygen that it deserves because they don't expand as them as much as they are expected to They don't take care of the external germs as much as they are expected to. And in the long run, of course, under the influence of alcohol, your liver is damaged. And when your liver is damaged, anything else that gets into your body cannot be processed in a proper way because it goes into your mouth, via your stomach, into the liver before it goes to the whole system. And under the influence of alcohol, your brain is second level. I know that many of us don't quite like uh, buying pre-owned things and under the influence of regular use of alcohol, your brain goes to second grade. You may have brilliant ideas, but you are going to be using a second grade, if not a third grade brain, to process those ideas. You will write those business plans, you will hold those meetings, you will do all these amazing things, but take this one thing home, and that is the fact that the brain that you are using under the influence of alcohol is that great. A person who uses alcohol regularly is more likely to develop seizures than any other person. Now, there are people who develop seizures because of oxygen problems in, 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 their, in, their, in their bodies. Uh, sometimes if you've had a concussion, say you are, you've been involved in a car accident, we find that uh, you develop seizures, etc., etc. But if you are a regular alcohol user, your risk for developing seizures for whatever reason is higher than someone who does not use alcohol. Alcohol is an enemy to your brain in the sense that it gives you higher risk to strokes. A stroke in the form of a bleeding in your brain and a stroke in the form of lack of oxygen in your brain. If you are a regular alcohol user's user, you are more likely to get strokes than someone who is not an alcohol user. Alcohol is the enemy to your brain because your learning capacity becomes diminished because of alcohol. You need e extension. You need extension. Gandhi, the issue is not the fact that you are too busy. The issue is that at a mental level, you are becoming slower. And many of us tend not to realize the fact that you are slower than you used to be many years ago. And, and alcohol is an enemy to your brain in the sense that it affects your memory as well. It affects your memory and we, we often get, um, you know, people who, who, uh, who get blackouts because of alcohol. And you know, in, in, in a hospital setting, they'll bring someone in a wheelchair and they will pass out and they're sitting in the wheelchair like that. And they're like, Sissi help us, what, 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 what happened? No, so what do we do? Hey, we're going to have to wait until that, that alcohol settles. But the unfortunate thing is that if you black out, then your capacity, your brain capacity diminishes. So before and after the blackout, your brain is not the same. So we need to be very careful. Attention is also a problem that the brain encounters because of regular alcohol use. Impulse control, lack of sleep, and at a later stage in life, research has shown us that people who develop dementia, there are people who will develop a certain kind of dementia specifically because it is secondary to alcohol use, and then there are people who develop a general kind of dementia, so your brain is going to age more quickly as a result of alcohol than somebody who does not use alcohol. So we really need to be careful. And remember, we linked alcohol use with conception, which means anything, therefore, that you conceive in your body, in terms of the baby, will negatively be affected by alcohol. So all these uh, negative uh, effects that I've been highlighting, especially negative effects to the brain, if you are pregnant and you drink alcohol, already you are lowering the IQ of There is a syndrome that we call fetal alcohol syndrome. And there is a concept of a baby coming out drunk. They can't breathe properly. Everything is just slow. And they are literally under the influence of alcohol as they develop in their mother's belly. So already you are saying, you may,, yeah, love your baby and say, "No, no, 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 Whatever, whatever." But Oxalayo, the fact that you consumed alcohol while they were in your tummy, you were already saying, Danami, your IQ is going to be low. You are going to have a problem with your memory. You're going to have a problem with self-control. You are going to have a problem with attention, etc, etc, etc. So we really need to be careful. Point number two: thoughts and emotions. I felt that it makes sense for me to come back to the issue of major depressive disorder. I know that previously we did highlight issues of various kinds of mental diseases but let me take this opportunity to highlight the issue of major depressive disorder. How do you know that you are depressed? I know that at a social level we use these terms very loosely because they are becoming very common in our society but specifically and diagnostically how do you know that you are depressed? You know that you are depressed when your mood is low you are just feeling down you are just not happy you are just not excited about anything you know that you are depressed when you are tearful there are some people who just cry in the middle of nowhere they just cry out of nowhere and I think sometimes get we find ourselves being advantaged in the sense that there's worship time and that's why wanna conclude my to the chorus as man so if you find that you are tearful and there isn't a specific thing that is causing you grief or sadness at that particular time consider depression if your energy is lower than it used to be you are just tired and you are just tired you've tried red bull you drink coke you drink coffee whatever and you still feel that you are tired consider depression if your drive you know lack of interest in anything you don't want to hang out with your friends you don't want to go to the home cell we just find it difficult to please you the problem could be that you are depressed you are just not interested in anything you know you are not interested i was the elizabeth i was you are just not there We need to be very careful because lack of interest in things that you usually loved highlights the presence of depression. Sometimes it is not lack of interest, but lack of fulfillment. When you're just not fulfilled by anything, we try to take you out, we give you a birthday present, you are just not fulfilled. Consider the presence of a depression. The idea of negativity and hopelessness. Yes, things are difficult in our world, but if you are just consistently hopeless, there is a problem. There could be a problem with depression there. Suicidality. Suicidality does not always mean that I want to die myself. But suicidality causes me to just entertain issues of death in jail. Suicidality causes me to feel that death is a better option than anything else that happens in this life. It may not be the concept of me wanting to take my own life, but somehow in the presence and in the ideas of death, I feel comfortable. You need to consider depression. Changes of weight, whether you lose weight or you, you gain weight, it could be because of depression. Because what happens is that sometimes we lose weight because our appetite is low. But sometimes we use food as a coping mechanism. And therefore, the more you, 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 uh, you eat and then you will gain weight. And of course, cognitive changes. Your memory is not good. Your concentration, you find that you are mentally not sharp. All these are the signs and symptoms of depression. And what then do we do about depression? Counseling and therapy is often the first place that we should go. Institutions like our churches, they do have good counseling services. We wait for you. So let us access these services, counseling and therapy. And of course, there is medication. I know, and I did mention it last time, that unfortunately, many of us feel that there is shame to medication. Medication is not there to define you, but medication is there to serve you. So as long as you need it, take that medication. And if there's something that you are uncomfortable with as far as the medication is concerned Don't just stop it on your own Consult your health professionals Have a discussion and then carry the way forward Relationship with God Ukolwa, it does take care of depression Uktandaza, it does take care of depression Reading and believing and confessing the word of God It does take care of depression In fact, there isn't a single situation in your life that cannot be addressed by the Word of God. The problem is that we do not know what the Word of God says about various situations in our lives. So committing yourself to the Word, studying the Word, actively making time for God, it will take care of your depressive symptoms and of course lifestyle changes like eating healthily exercise as exercise basalwane amen because it does take care of uh, the depressive uh, uh, situation in your life and finally as I am going to close one of the most important and powerful uh, life um, what should I call it Uh, 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 What what do we call it? One of the most important uh, uh, skills, yes. One of the most important and one of the most powerful life skills is the life skill of being able to regulate your emotions. What do I talk about when I speak about an emotion regulation cycle? In our lives, this is what happens. You will have a stimulus, right? Something that happens to you. It could be an experience, it could be trauma. Whatever it is that happens to you, we call it a stimulus. So as you are in existence, there are many things that come to you. People talking negatively about you. The feedback that you get from different reasons. Whatever it is, things come to you. And as things come to you in a form of a stimulus experience trauma we tend to do what we develop an emotion secondary to that experience and based on that emotion what do we do most of the time we do what we respond based on the emotion that we get out of an experience are we together saints Right? So there is an, a, 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 a a a stimulus and experience and then there is how we feel based on the experience and that is how, and then there is how we react based on how we feel because of the experience. Are we together, saints? For example, if uh, I come to you and I, 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 I criticize you, I tell you how useless you are, and I talk all sorts of negative things about you, the emotion that is going to come out of that, it is going to be anger, it is going to be sadness, it is going to feel, be feeling that I am useless, and and, and and then the action that comes out of that emotion, it is going to be me not being nice to other people, uh, issues with anger management, etc., etc., But when we speak about a powerful emotion regulation cycle, I have lost my husband. Yes, my child is problematic. Yes, I have lost my job. Yes, I have failed a test, whatever it is. And then when I come to the emotion, I don't just find myself responding because of this emotion. But what I do is I make an effort to understand this emotion, to accept this emotion, to analyze this emotion. And based on this emotion, I develop what we call a higher thought. And based on that higher thought, then I am able to come up with a higher response because not of the emotion, but because of the higher thought. Are we together, saints? Personal example, my husband Passes away, it is said I'm suddenly a widow This and that The emotion that naturally Comes out of that, I am sad I don't know who I am anymore Blah, blah, blah You know what, those are what? Negative Emotions, right? And many Of us, what do we do? We therefore Go on to act based on this Negative emotion, but a powerful emotion regulation cycle says, no, no, no Nelly. before you respond, let's take a time to apply higher thoughts to this situation. And the higher thought says, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. The higher thought says, all of us have limited time in this world anyway. The higher thought says, you know what, your husband may have died but you were blessed and you served God in so many ways. The higher thought says, there is no end to what god can do you still are exposed to possibilities so then by the time i respond i don't respond to the trauma and the mess and the sadness but i respond based on the higher thoughts that i develop and i am here to encourage i'm here to encourage each and every one of us that negative experiences will come traumas are going to come be aware of the emotions that come out of those experiences. And most importantly, don't let your life then subsequently actualize based on those emotions. Give yourself a time for higher thoughts. Have higher thoughts, analyze that situation, determine who you are and what you are going to be. Choose how you are going to respond. And then at the end of the day, you respond at a higher level than at a lower level that is driven by emotions. And as I'm, as I'm closing and I'm closing like a doctor, I'm not closing like a pastor and as I'm closing for real, for real, for real, when it comes to issues of the mind, There are many of us who experience common things. We are sad every now and then. We are happy every now and then. We find ourselves with odd kind of thought experiences every now and then. But when it comes to the well-being of our mind, number one, it is very important that you are in control. Yes, we do get angry, but if you are going to be so angry to the point that you are out of control in terms of your self-expression, in terms of your words, in terms of your behavior, then there is a problem there. I'm now speaking to people who don't necessarily have to go to a doctor, but people who need to regulate their mind in an empowering kind of way. When it comes to the well-being of our mind, we need to be reasonable. Yes, they cut you in. Why are you unreasonable, therefore, in driving your own car? Because now the person who has cut you in, who says, when you are busy misbehaving in your own space, you are disadvantaging your own space. Yes, why are you then creating a negative setting in your own space based on what they said? Reasonable. It's very important that as you live an emotional and mentally empowered life, you need to be reasonable. The sense that we make out of things. Things push us into mental illness because we struggle to make sense out of them. Because we make a negative and a wrong sense out of things, my advice to you is that if you are going to live an an emotionally and mentally powered life, make God the basic sense of everything that you experience. Make Him the basic sense. Yes, you have lost your job. Before you respond into that, God, where is the basic sense in this? And then continue to respond. You find that the more you make God the basic sense of everything that you do, the meaning of your experiences will change. And subsequently, how you will respond to those situations will also change. And finally, in the long run, everything that we do has an impact. So in all your behavior, in all your thinking, in all your emotions, in all your relationships, relationship with yourself, relationship with the people that are around you, relationship with God, relationship with your reason for being, be mindful. What impact do I want want my presence to, to make? What impact do I want my words to have? What impact do I want my behavior to have? In the long run, We've got this, Bazalwan. We are here to be transformed by the renewal of our minds.